Hello, it's Gabby here for you. Before we jump onto this week's podcast, I just want to let you know about two ways that you can work with me. First of all, I do one-to-one coaching and I do that via Zoom so we can jump on a Zoom call at a time to suit you. The second thing I've got for you is an online coaching course that's 12 modules that you can download straight away now. There will be a link somewhere around these podcast notes. And this is the course that I've designed and it's got everything in it that I wish I'd have known when I finished cancer treatment and I was lost. So you can download that course now and you can start working towards making this your happiest and healthiest year ever. I'd love to hear from you. Let me know what you think. Take care. Bye-bye. Welcome back to Confidence After Cancer podcast and this week I've got a very special guest. I've got the lovely Jenny and she's got a really interesting history and started a bit like myself with some health challenges. I know she works in a lot of different areas but today this episode is all about breath work and I'm really intrigued by this. I'm really something that I want to um, know a lot more about because I've heard different things, maybe not so much, maybe uh, the things that Jenny does. Welcome, Jenny. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Gabby. It's lovely to be here. Great to see you down in lovely Devon. You are, aren't you? I know. We've got a beautiful sunny day today. You might be able to hear the birds in the background. (laughs) And I'm in lovely sunny Manchester. I'm not so sure about the birds. You may may get a a noise from the motorway. That's my usual background (laughs) noise. So I was looking at your um, Facebook profile, Jenny, and I know you only get a snippet on there, don't you, to describe what you do. And it says on there that Jenny is a body and breath therapist, a yoga practitioner, gluten-free chef, off-path hiker. So, wow, you're obviously a very busy woman doing a lot of different things, but by the look of it, enjoying life. So that's good to know. Yeah, I think I have a wide variety of interests, but I think it's all really sourced from connection with body and breath. And that's what really funds and fuels everything for me. Great. That's really good. Okay. So I know your business is called Breath Body Therapies, and as I said, you're based in Devon. So when I've spoken to Jenny before, she's told me that really her journey started um, into body and breath work in 2008 after over two decades of living with the devastating and life-limiting effects of emotional and physical trauma and chronic pain. Mm. Jenny has told me that she's ricocheted around the health system for over 20 years, been variously diagnosed with chronic fatigue, ME, eczema, chronic myofascial pain, depression, anxiety, IBS, and a whole range of autoimmune conditions. Jenny has taken various medications, tried different therapies, but nothing seemed to help. By 2008, she had gone past breaking point. And that's when she decided something that had to change. And the thing that had to change was her. So she wondered after trying lots of different things that didn't work, maybe her body could be a different way in. So I'm really intrigued by this. And it turned out to be the stroke of inspiration that changed her life. So not only was it a different way in, this is what Jenny's telling me, the transformative power of body work, breath work, 
movement and touch has changed her life forever. So Jenny, as I say, I know you're interested in so many different areas and there's so much we could talk about today. We've got limited time. So really want to talk about breath work today because this is a new thing for me. I've seen a little bit about it. I've, I've seen Wim Hof, as probably a lot of people have, seen the TV programme where he talked about breath work. And that was really, a, you know, a shock for me, but seeing the changes that could come about from that. So could you tell us what is breath work? What's it all about? So to me, it was a really good question. I was thinking about, you know, what would I define breathwork as? And I think it is the conscious influencing of the breath to achieve a specific outcome. So if you are doing Wim Hof breathwork that is quite activating for the nervous system, that's breathwork. If you are doing two-to-one breathing where you're lengthening the exhale and it's slow and relaxing, that's breathwork. If you're doing holotropic breathwork where you're doing the conscious connected breathing, that's breath work. It's all breath work. If you're working to retrain your breathing patterns through functional breathing, that's breath work. Wow. Okay. So it's not just breathing. There's a lot, to, obviously, there's a lot more to it than that. So, and I've heard when we talked before, you told me about there's four key things really about your type of breath work. So I'd be really interested if you could talk us through those and what are they and how do they help people? Yeah, so I work with the oxygen advantage method and really there are several different keys and um, the oxygen advantage method works with three main ones. I've added in an extra one of my own. So there's the, the biochemical side of things, which looks at the balance of oxygen and carbon dioxide in the body and getting that right. Now, most people think that carbon dioxide is just a waste gas. It's what our body produces when it's used all the good stuff. But actually, carbon dioxide is really important in the body. It helps to regulate our blood acidity. And it also helps to facilitate the journey of oxygen into cells. So if we have enough carbon dioxide in our blood, it helps to act as a disruptor that enables oxygen to get to where it needs to be so that cells can use it to create energy. If we don't have enough oxygen in our blood, which often happens if we overbreathe, so if we're doing big exhales, exhaling out all the carbon dioxide, thinking that we don't need it, there isn't enough in our blood to act as a facilitator to help oxygen get to where it needs to be. So then what happens is oxygen can't get to the cells that need it to create energy. We start to feel like we haven't got enough oxygen, we're getting air hunger, we might get breathless. As a response, we start to breathe even more. And so we're breathing out even more carbon dioxide when what we need to be doing is breathing out less. And that's why um, the kind of old fashioned response to hyperventilation was to breathe into a paper bag, which is known as rebreathing. You're rebreathing some of that carbon dioxide that you've breathed out to try and lift the levels in your blood back up to a state where it can start getting oxygen into your cells again. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I used to work with somebody and it's years and years ago and she used to have panic attacks. And I remember yeah. that it was always, oh, I've got a brown paper bag at the side of me. And I thought I was a bit weird in case she had this panic attack. And I, yeah. I didn't know if it was like a psychological thing that somebody just told her to do that, but it obviously made her feel better. And it was, yeah. yeah. I, get, it's, I get it's, that now. Yeah. 
scientifically speaking, you're just rebreathing carbon dioxide, but you can also do the same thing without a brown paper bag, just by breathing a little bit lighter, so not breathing out as heavily, and making sure you're breathing through the nose because it, it um, acts as a volume restrictor. So it's the nose is a restrictor ah. valve, basically. If you breathe through your mouth, there's like huge amounts of air coming in and out. If you swap right. to nasal breathing, then it means that it's restricting the amount that you're exhaling and it makes it easier to lighten your breath and it makes it easier to keep the right balance of carbon dioxide in the body. Oh, wow. So in and out should be nasal breathing. Is that right? Yeah, that's that's right. Oh, because right. when you're okay. breathing in and out through your nose as well, you're harnessing what's known as nasal nitric oxide. It's produced um, and released in the parasinuses. So when you're breathing in through the nose, your breath picks up nasal nitric oxide and takes it down to the lungs. Nasal nitric oxide helps with air diffusion in the lungs. So it actually helps with ventilation. It helps the air get to the furthermost part of the lungs and it improves gaseous exchange so that you can get more oxygen into the blood to support you in making energy. Wow, okay. It's, I know, it's, so so, so yeah, mind-blowing, isn't it? Because something that you just think is like you do so subconsciously without even thinking about it. Yeah. There's a lot going on, but I presume there's also a lot that can go wrong if you're doing it incorrectly. Yeah, the biochemical side of things is, I think, often really overlooked. So people think, oh, I should be breathing from the diaphragm. I need to be breathing through the nose. That is gaining an awareness. But what people aren't quite so aware of is the need to balance the carbon dioxide levels properly to ensure there's actually enough in your blood so that oxygen can get to where it needs to go. And I think that that's a major um a major element that awareness needs raising about so that people understand that actually bigger breaths aren't necessarily better breaths. Wow. When you say to somebody, take a deep breath, what do they do? They take a huge breath. <laughs> yeah. And what happens if you take in a huge breath is you tend to release a huge breath. So when we're taking in and releasing these really big breaths, we're more likely to compromise our carbon dioxide levels. And actually a deep breath and a big breath aren't the same thing. And that brings me on to the second key that I work with, which is the biomechanical side of things. So this mm -hmm. looks at the actual mechanics of breathing, the muscles, the bones, you know, where we're breathing, what's working. And ultimately we're looking in a lot of the work I do to restore healthy diaphragmatic breathing. A lot of my clients breathe um, very shallow they breathe into the chest. The upper muscles of respiration are often very overworked when you chest breathe, which can result in neck pain and shoulder pain. When we chest breathe, it activates the sympathetic nervous system, the fight flight um, part of our nervous system. And it also compromises diaphragm functionality because we're not using the diaphragm properly. And when we're not using the diaphragm properly, that compromises spinal stability as well. So it actually compromises functional movement. When we haven't got the right spinal stability, we're more prone to back 
back issues as well and other postural issues. So chest breathing has a number of effects from the impact on the nervous system to the very physical side of things where you might get back pain or discomfort because there's not that proper support of the mechanics of breathing. So when we're looking at the mechanics of breathing, we want that to be low. So biochemically speaking, we want the breath to be light, generally, if we're at rest. And biomechanically speaking, we want the breath to be low. So we want our lower side ribs to be moving gently out to the sides. We want our diaphragm to be moving outwards and we want our lower abdomen to be gently moving outwards as well. We want that feeling of relaxation in the abdomen so that that means the diaphragm can drop. One of the things that I find very commonly with clients is that there is a lot of tension in the abdomen. And Mm -hmm. it's very common when people are stressed, when people have experienced stress for a long time. It's actually super common as well because there is so much pressure on people to hold their stomachs in. You know, we're encouraged not to take up any space in the world. We're encouraged to put this invisible corset on all the time. Um, And there is also a message that by doing that, you're strengthening your core. Yeah, I've heard that. When I've been to, sorry, when I've been to Pilates classes, I'm sure that's, maybe it's my interpretation. I'm sure that's what I picked up. Hold your stomach in, it's protecting your core, it's protecting your back. That's what you need to do. But actually, when you do that and you've locked everything in really tightly, that locks the diaphragm in place and it cannot move down. So that forces the breath up into our chest. So actually, you're compromising your core function and spinal stability because the diaphragm is locked in place and can't move. And ideally speaking, we want to be able to create a situation where we've got some engagement in those muscles of the abdomen where we can have a little bit of engagement in there but there's a softness in there to allow for movement to happen so that the diaphragm can move down the abdomen can move out and we can take up the space that we need wow that's yeah that, you give me a lot to think about there there's a lot of information yeah. there but as i say something that you think is so, so simple it's just breathing there's yeah. so much going on so much going on and so and again some probably some bad habits that we all pick up over the years don't we we know in many many areas of life there's bad habits that we pick up that we not conscious oh, of. yeah i think you're, yeah. you're like me when we talk about health we're not just talking about fixing a problem so if somebody's got cancer it's not just about fixing the tumor mm-hmm. it's about the holistic approach it's about how are you living how are you eating how are you sleeping but obviously yeah. how are you breathing as well is going to be really, really important for people. I would imagine that's why um, the work that you do is so important and you can work so well with people is they've picked up bad habits over the years, doing things that subconsciously they're not even aware of. Mm-hmm. And once you can fix that, I mean, I imagine you, you start to see results quite quickly. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. I got into breathing because... I had done quite a lot of body work and I felt like I felt like I'd hit a glass ceiling like there was something I wasn't seeing something I couldn't quite get past some sort of block and it was a very offhand comment by a talking therapist actually I was in a talking therapist's office and he said to me did you realize that you don't breathe and I kind of went up silly everyone breathes and he said no you don't breathe I've noticed this, you hold your breath, you hold your body very tightly. And I said, 
I'm really great with my body. I do loads of yoga. I do loads of running. I do loads of martial arts. I'm like, I'm really getting into, you know, working with my body. And he said, yeah, but you don't breathe. And that's what we then did for the whole of my talking therapy with him. I had six sessions through the NHS and he said, let's scrap that. We're just going to do breathing. And it was awful. <laughs> I, never, I never experienced anything like that. I was like, I really don't want to do this. And he said, no, I think it's going to be really helpful. I was like, I just don't want to do this. And he said, Let, let's bear with it. And I hated every second of it. I had never really connected with my breath before. I did breathing during yoga and I thought that meant I could breathe. Mm. But actually, whenever anyone asked me to hold my breath, whenever anyone asked me to do um, pranayama or breathing exercises, I would feel quite triggered. I would feel a lot of anxiety. And so that's what I experienced when he put me into this position of let's work with your breath. I was very triggered immediately by that. I felt triggered connecting with my breath. It made me very anxious just to even feel it. It made me very anxious trying to hold it. It made me very anxious trying to breathe down into my stomach. And what I realized through those six sessions was I don't breathe. I don't breathe and I have a bunch of breathing pattern disorders that are all layered over each other. I don't breathe diaphragmatically, so my breathing was completely in my chest. I held my breath all the time, which then meant that I suddenly would go <gasps> constantly. And people often commented on how much I sighed and thought it was because I was always really annoyed and I was always like kind of thinking, I don't know what, what, what they're talking about. I'm fine. But actually what that sigh is, is when you've lost the rhythm of your breath, your nervous system is constantly trying to reset itself. But then because I wasn't wow. doing any conscious breathing, I wasn't restoring the regularity of the breath. It was just happening over and over. So there was that, I was breathing up here. I had a lot of neck pain. I had a lot of shoulder pain. You know, there was a lot going on there. And I had these six sessions and I thought, that's it, I've, I've got to do this. It's mm -hmm. the missing link. And it was the missing link and it changed everything. Body work changed everything, but breath work took that to the next level of really getting me to find my way home, to my body, to my breath and to my life. And I really think it's very transformative. And the power of it is it's free. I mean, it's not free yeah. going to see a breathing therapist, but your breath is free. It's with you forever. Yeah. The techniques stay with you forever and you can always call on it. You know, it's, it's yeah. always there for you and it's so powerful. Welcoming that feeling of a comfortable, easy breath. I remember the first time I experienced it and I was like, wow, this is like mind blowing. And now I frequently, that is my treat to myself. I will sit and breathe for a couple of minutes. I'm not doing anything fancy. Yeah. I'm not doing breathing techniques. I'm not doing anything other than just feeling my breath in my body and feeling how comfortable and lovely it feels. And that's what shifted me into doing this work for other people as well, because I think for a lot of people, it's the missing link. Absolutely. And I know I'm one of those people as well. For years, I've always said, I can't meditate. I can't meditate. It's just, you know, too much going on in my little monkey mind is always twittering away. But you're right, just those two minutes. of, And for me, I always just sit and look at a candle. And I've never been yeah. conscious of the fact that I'm breathing differently. But I, now I think about it, I am. Because yeah. for once, I just sit and do nothing. 
which is rare. Most of us are running about, you know, to, trying to do too many things at once. Again, you give me lots to think about there. So it's just fascinating stuff. Yeah, really fascinating. I'm really interested to ask you, Jenny, about a lot of the women I work with are menopausal or perimenopausal. So mm. are there implications about breath work when you've got hormonal changes going on for you? How can breath work help you with that? Absolutely. There are so many benefits to knowing how your cycle and how perimenopause and menopause can affect your breathing. So it's actually something that a lot of people don't know. We were never taught this in school. I think a lot of people don't really know much about it. I think there was research done about 100 years ago that showed that hormonal fluctuations in women during their menstrual cycle affected breathing. And I think it's really strange that actually we're not taught this routinely. And I think there needs to be more awareness of it because certainly I was brought up in an environment where the menstrual cycle wasn't really something that was acknowledged. You know, it happened and you got on with it. And PMT was something kind of that weak people had and it existed to try and keep women in it, in their place and you didn't have to have PMT if you didn't want it and you could just plow on through that it was a kind of mindset thing. And what I've realized over the years is that that's just rubbish. You know, we have hormonal fluctuations. We don't have to plow on through. And by being aware of our hormonal fluctuations and tracking our cycle, we can actually adapt as women really well in terms of what we plan in that time and how we can honor ourselves most effectively. And the way it affects breathing is in the luteal phase of your menstrual cycle, which is a week or two before your bleed, your breathing may change. So there may be more hyperventilation, so more of that over-breathing that I was talking about. So we're losing more carbon dioxide. That can lead to feelings of breathlessness and anxiety. We can also experience much more um, tension in the lower abdomen. And that, as I was speaking earlier, can lock the diaphragm in place and shove our breath up into our chest. So our breath becomes quite shallow. It's quite rapid. We're hyperventilating. We're a bit breathless. We're stressed because the breath is in our chest. And actually, if we can understand that that is due to hormonal fluctuations, it gives us a point at which to start working with that. And that's common in people who have a regular menstrual cycle, but it is also part of perimenopause and menopause because we have those same hormonal fluctuations that affect our breathing patterns. So it is really important to be aware of because it can affect anxiety, it can affect sleep, and mm -hmm. that in itself can be really difficult to deal with. Absolutely. And just being aware of it as well. And I know in my coaching, and it struck me, I've never even thought about this before. When I'm coaching, particularly women, we talk about cycles and about the best time to do different things. When are the best times? When have you got more energy? When is the best time for you to be planning? When is the best time for you to be resting and re restoring yourself? Never occurred to me to even refer to the breath. So, yeah, this is really, yeah. you know, really interesting for me as well. I'm, I'm learning a lot from you and it's great. Thank you, Jenny.
it's a hugely important part of it and I I mean I have some clients who do public speaking as part of their jobs and they deliberately don't organize anything in the week before their period Mm -hmm. because they know that they're going to find it more difficult to breathe that's going to cause more stress around public speaking they're going to be doing that while they're trying to speak which is going to make them feel uncomfortable so they they try and schedule what they're doing around that and actually it's really it's ironic because I'm actually in the two days before my period and this is probably the worst time (laughs) for me to be doing something like this I was thinking about that earlier Um, but at the stage that I'm at my cycle is a little bit less predictable so it's how I track my cycle now as my cycle as I go into perimenopause has become closer further apart less predictable at the moment it's all over the place Rather than being tracking via a 28-day period, I'm able to track by what's going on with my breathing. So I know that I hyperventilate in the week before my period, and I know that this happens a lot for me. I won't even realise I'm doing it, just holding my breath. Yeah, wow. (laughs) Again, I love what you said there about... um, you know, back in the day, maybe periods and menopause and all those things, women's problems, if you like, it was just the attitude of, well, that's just life and you just have to crack on and just ignore it, just pretend it's not happening. And I think more and more as we talk about this stuff, we understand it more and we can reach out to people like yourself for help and say, you know, this is a natural part of life, but actually it's not something to be ignored. It's something, if you like, to be celebrated. We're women, we're complex people. We know that when I was in corporate life. To be a woman in a man's world, if you like, was difficult because there's always that tension, that struggle. Mm-hmm. And what I'm hearing from you is very much about just being yourself, finding your way back to you. And I love yeah. that because that's what we, you know, we all need. And that for me, the the if the pause or the learning, if you like, after my cancer treatment finish was for me stepping back from the life that I'd sort of, as we all do, got sucked into, thinking, well, that's all well and good, but it made me ill. So what do I need to do differently to make me go back to me and be the happy, healthy person that I want to be? And this is all good stuff. This is just another layer of, you know, all the things that I've been looking at. And it's it's fascinating, Jenny, and really intrigued to know more. So thank you. I think it's it's really about an honouring process. Mm. And I've yeah. I've found that very much with breath. There are some kinds of breath work out there that I think really try and um, it, it is this quite kind of masculine approach of where mm. this is what that breath's going to do and we're going to make it do it. And I've found that actually that is not how I work with my breath. I don't think of it uh-huh. as mastery of or control of. I think of it as working with not doing too. I think of it as honoring my breath rather than forcing my breath to do something. So the way I work with my breathing in the week or two before my period is really different to at other times. I don't do the same breathing exercises because I know it's just gonna, it's not gonna be beneficial for me. I do things that are much softer and actually mainly it's about just keeping the regularity of the breath going and just remembering to breathe not worrying so much about if I can't take a deep breath. It's like those muscles are not going to let that happen. And there's no way that I can try and force my way through that. So how can I breathe a little bit higher up in a way that feels mindful, in a way that feels soft, in a way that honors my breathing, and in a way that's not going to activate my fight, flight, drive, and my nervous system? 
So it just becomes a very different process and a very different focus, I think, when you start thinking about it in that way. Yeah, it's so interesting what you're saying. Just really want to know more about it and love to experience, you know, your teaching as well. Thank you. Now, the, the two final keys that I was talking about in terms of working with the breath is the cadence of the breath, which refers to the speed of the breath, so the pacing of the breath. And okay. this is a really important one as well. A lot of people breathe mm -hmm. too quickly. You know, this kind of... Yeah, that's, yeah. that's kind of exaggerated. <laughs> but actually, I have seen some people who you know, who come to see me and their breathing is like that. And I'll say, how are you feeling in terms of your stress levels? And they'll say, I feel fine. <laughs> and it's one of the <laughs> indicators that I see that they're yeah. not actually as fine as they maybe think they are, that actually there is some underlying stress going on. What we're ideally looking for is a slow, steady breath that actually takes its time that allows for better ventilation in the lungs it allows for better gaseous exchange it's uh, it stimulates the vagus nerve as well this like low slow breathing helps to stimulate the relaxation response in our body so when we're breathing slow we've got a better balance in the nervous system we're going to have reduced anxiety and it's going to help us to feel calmer more focused and resilient and we're looking ideally at about six breaths per minute so that's six inhales and exhales so it's about five second inhale five second exhale or a four second inhale and a six second exhale that is not absolute everybody has different lung sizes mm -hmm. everybody has different amounts of anxiety around their breath everybody has different phases of the month as we've just talked about when their breath might really not be up for doing that so it's it's completely adaptable you know we know that breathing is not a one-size-fits-all approach but we know that six breaths a minute for somebody with average kind of size lungs for somebody who has a good relationship with their breath who is in an easy relaxed breathing space is really optimal and and so learning to breathe that little bit slower can be really helpful sounds wonderful again my mind's spinning now with all these different things that you're saying things that we just take for granted and now i'm thinking about how i breathe and what i could be doing you know to improve my breathing because for a long time i was like asthmatic and then i realized when i was stressed i know the shallow breathing i do that when i'm stressed and i'm more conscious of it now but i'm not really um understanding what i can do to make that better so i really want to learn more about this so a really simple thing to do, actually, when you find that you've gone into that shallow breathing mode, a really simple thing to do is to bring your hands to your lower side ribs. So if I show you where oh, yeah. that would look yeah. like. Yeah. So you bring your hands uh, there, almost like you're putting your hands on your hips, but higher up, uh, pressing quite firmly. And then just breathe very gently into that space under your hands. So you're not trying to really force your ribs apart but you should feel a little bit of sideways movement under your hands. Yeah, yeah, I can. Wow. So when you do that, you're re-initiating diaphragmatic breathing, but it's without, um, sometimes when people try and breathe back into their diaphragm when they're chest breathing, because they're in a state of stress and their abdomen is quite tense, breathing into the solar plexus can feel really uncomfortable and can actually make them feel more anxious. Placing your hands around your side ribs and breathing gently in there can really help to calm you down 
and to bring the breath a bit lower. It's a really magical technique. It's so simple, it couldn't be easier, uh, really. But it helps to downregulate the nervous system. Having the external support of your hands as well, if you're feeling anxious, that mm. extraceptive sensory input helps to keep the prefrontal cortex online when your autonomic nervous system is very activated. So actually, it's helping the body track stuff that's outside of itself which helps to reduce anxiety. And that's the final key really, is the autonomic nervous system. So this right. is the part of our body that is responsible for our fight flight and our relaxation responses. Right. So our sympathetic nervous system is responsible for right. our kind of fight flight and our parasympathetic nervous system is responsible for what's known as the rest and digest state. And it's really important to consider what's going on with your nervous system when you're working with the breath. If you are in a state of chronic stress, you're more likely to have rapid, shallow, over-breathing that's coming from the chest. Because when we are activated, when we're in fight flight, the breath shifts up into this space. We start breathing through the mouth to try and get as much air in as possible and we start breathing into the chest. What happens then is as we breathe into the chest space, chest breathing actually activates our fight flight system. So it perpetuates our stress. So we breathe high, we breathe fast, we over breathe because we're stressed. And then because we're breathing high, fast and over breathing, we're stressed. So it becomes this cycle and it's breaking the cycle that's really key if you want to be able to work with your nervous system and your breath. Wow. Okay. That makes so much sense. Yeah. I know what you're saying about that cycle of being stressed. So if you can change your breathing, mm -hmm. you will change your stress levels. Yeah. Be because helpful. as I say, as you've been talking, I'm recognizing some of the things in myself. And I yeah. think if we talk about some of the common breathing things, again, people that are watching this might think, mm, I'm not sure if this is for me. But if you, yeah, the more you talk, the more I'm recognizing things in myself and in other people that I know as well. So here are some common breathing patterns that I see or um, breathing issues that people come to see me with. And it's important to recognize that you might not do all of these at once or all of these all the time, the breath changes, but you might notice some of these things as being relevant. So we've already talked about over breathing. So taking and releasing really, really big breaths and normally quite loud breaths. It can happen through the nose or the mouth, but it's normally when people are mouth breathing that they're mm -hmm. taking those really big breaths. Mouth breathing is such a big culprit. <laughs> it's it's oh, huge. So we, we really should be breathing through the nose. Um, the nose filters out rubbish. It moistens and warms the air before it gets to the lungs. We pick up nasal nitric oxide, which helps with um, ventilation and gaseous exchange. It helps to restrict the amount of air going in and out of the body. And when we're breathing through the nose, it also allows for the mouth to be in a nice, relaxed, closed position and the tongue to be where it's supposed to be, which is in the roof of our mouth, lightly suctioned against the top of our mouth. When we mouth breathe, we cannot mouth breathe and have the tongue in the right place. Yeah. So that actually compromises 
the functionality of the diaphragm because the tongue is connected fascially down the layers of the throat to the diaphragm. It also compromises jaw functionality. So when we're breathing through the mouth and we've got the jaw kind of hanging open all of the time, it puts the jaw in a position of stress. So this can actually contribute to grinding, it can contribute to um, mouth breathing, can contribute to snoring at night or even sleep apnea. When we haven't got the tongue in the right place when the jaw is open, when we're mouth breathing, it also encourages this kind of dropping forwards of the head. So it can really compromise our posture because as our head drops forward, there's a range of changes that happen all the way down the body. So there can be discomfort in the pelvis and lower back, all because we're breathing through the mouth, that affects our posture and that affects functional movement throughout the whole body. So when we breathe through the nose, we're rectifying all of that. We're letting the jaw be where it wants to be, which is light, you know, your teeth lightly parted, tongue lightly suctioned, relaxed up in the roof of the mouth, breathing through the nose. It feels so nice that when you start doing it, it'll feel a bit odd. When you get used to doing it, you start mouth breathing, you think, oh God, this was awful. <laughs> don't know how I ever did this for so long. I was a mouth breather for a long, long time. I never thought I would be able to get the hang of nasal breathing. I also have quite a deviated septum. You might be able to see that my nose is kind of walked off to one side. So I find it quite difficult to breathe through one of my nostrils. I use nasal dilators at night to help hold my nostrils open so that I can breathe more easily, which encourages me to breathe through my nose rather than through my mouth and it's really improved i had jaw issues for a very long time i still do to a certain extent i've had them for over 20 years it's partly due to a lot of dental procedures because of an accident i had because of that i've got a lot of jaw tension but mouth breathing really made that worse and learning how to breathe through my nose completely changed wow. that for me so mouth breathing is a really big one and it's really easy to change that. You know, mm -hmm. it's just a matter of retraining yourself and it's yeah. one of those that I think is a really quick win. Also, when we breathe through our mouths, we're more likely to use the muscles in our chest. So we're more likely mm -hmm. to chest breathe. When you breathe through your nose, you're more likely to use your diaphragm. So it's a kind of win-win on every level. It's easy to do and it's massively beneficial. Another thing that I see really often is breath holding. Uh, so people do this, uh, we've, you've probably heard of sleep apnea, where mm -hmm. people hold their breath at night and then yeah. there's a cessation in breathing, oxygen saturation levels drop and then the body will kick start breathing again. And that can be super disruptive for sleep, it can actually be quite dangerous and people obviously need to seek support for that. Mm -hmm. Apnea during the day is really, really common and especially with email apnea, as it's called. So when people concentrate, when they're writing emails, when they're reading emails, they hold their breath. Oh, wow. Yeah. That makes absolute sense. You do. Yeah, I, I, yeah I, can, I can picture myself doing that. Oh, I just need to reply to this now. Yeah. And you're in that mode and you're not fit, fit yet. You're not in your body. Yeah. You're in the, yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. It's it's a classic case of not being able to multitask really, isn't it? You know, we're, we're so focused on something we forget to breathe. You'll know if you're doing that because this will happen. <sighs> 
So there'll be a big intake of breath and a big long sigh out. And that's the breath trying to kickstart itself again because your body is going, oh, hang on, this isn't good. We've not got enough oxygen here. That's a really, really common one. Another one is breath stacking where people don't exhale fully. So there's, we've talked a little bit about over exhaling and how that's not great, but under exhaling isn't good either. So we need to find what a good full exhale is without losing too much carbon dioxide. But if we don't exhale enough, what happens then is we're inhaling on lungs that are already half full. So we start doing what's known as breath stacking, where people will take a breath, they'll release some, and then they'll take another breath that's the same size. So they feel like a balloon that's gradually getting bigger yeah, yeah. and bigger. The breath feels really strained and uncomfortable. It, it feels horrible. And I know this personally because that was one of my um, personal techniques that I use. <laughs> and it's really important to realize, I think, that none of these are bad. They're not bad habits that we've picked up. They're survival traits. You know, they're mm -hmm. how we've learned how to survive. It's what the breath had to do. It's what the nervous system had to do to keep us safe at a particular time. It just might be that these patterns are no longer serving us and they're no longer supporting our health, our movement, our immune system, and all of our body in the way that it could be. Love that, Jenny. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm like you, you know, I've been on a journey as well with my health. I've, I've had some bad habits, if you like, in the past. And I just think, well, I was doing the best that, at that time with what I knew. And now I know yeah. better, I can do better. And it's always about another layer and then another layer and another layer. And being very kind to yourself and thinking, you know, these are habits that you've picked up over many, many years, probably. Like you say, when you try something different, it might feel really strange at, at first. But if you've got some guidance and you know you're going in the right direction, how wonderful is that? Because these are, once you get your head around them, quite easy things to do, aren't they? You know, the nasal breathing. Yeah. I love what you said about the email breathing because I've just realised that oh, I did. I'm oh, I need to reply to this now. Yeah, and, and I do that yeah. so subconsciously. Yeah, and the easiest thing to do when somebody notices that they're doing the breath holding because there's that <sighs> sigh. Yeah. Just restart your breathing and then just focus on your breathing for two or three minutes. Just breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. Just keep the regularity of the breath going until you're kind of fairly sure that you're in a nice pattern. So it's not just about taking the next breath. It's mm -hmm. about getting that regularity back. And that will help your body get back into the swing of it. And it will remind it what it's supposed to be doing. Love that, Jenny. Thank you. I know I'm just, you've told me so many things. I've been trying to take little notes, but I'm going to watch this back. I think I'll probably yeah. watch this back a few times because there's so many, you know, pennies are dropping for me about my habits. So I think, yeah, thank you so much. You're sharing so much. It's, it's really good. Thank you. Well, I've, I've got a very quick sort of list of takeaways at the end for people oh, for, for yeah. what they can concentrate on because. I think all of these things individually are really simple. Mm. And when you start putting to them together, they can feel really overwhelming. Like, gosh, where do I even start? There's so much to this. And the fact is that breathing is a complex process and it's informed by and informs so many things. But you can break it down and it is okay just to focus on one thing at once. So yeah, okay, I need to retrain my diaphragm. I need, I've got this breath stacking going on. I've got mouth breathing. I've got all of these things that I'm recognizing okay one thing I'm going to breathe yeah. through my nose 
I'm going to breathe through my nose. And when I notice I've stopped breathing, I'm just going to start my breath again and restore the regularity of that and breathe through my nose. And then you can build it up gradually from there. That's what I did when I started. I just did one thing at a time and then gradually added more into that. Another thing that really struck me that you said, you said earlier about your journey, and I think it's really important for people who've been through cancer and through cancer treatment to realize that that might change your body and breath. I've worked with people who have have experienced significant changes. So uh, people who have had breast cancer and because of the chemotherapy, because of the surgery, because of the emotional associations as well, there has been a real tightness and holding across the chest that has affected their ability to be able to breathe easily. I've worked with people who, because they have experienced so much stress around their experience, have got this real abdominal tightness that has pushed the breath up into their chest. So it's really important to recognize that treatment for cancer and the journey of cancer might create changes with your body and breath that could be really helpful to look at unraveling and untangling so that you can restore that function, you can restore that effective breathing, can restore the breath to what it should be, which is a friend and a tool that you can harness to support your well-being. Love that, love that. And I think, yeah, when you've been ended cancer treatment for so long, probably might be months, it might be years, you're just in survival mode. You're not yeah. into thinking about what's best for me. You just want to survive. And so sometimes that sort of priority takes over and that panic, if you, and like you said, you know, the fight or flight, we need to calm it down. Treatment is yeah. finished. It's time to get back to, to come back to yourself. I love that you. expression. Come back to, yeah. come home to yourself and think about right. wellness in a holistic way. And so that's, that's lovely. Really like that. Yeah. Thank you. And if you're in survival mode, it's very likely that your breathing is too. Yeah. And if you can work to shift your breathing from survival back into thriving, then you can get there with it too. Love it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's what it's all about from survival into, thri into thriving. I talk about that all the time. You know, yeah. we don't get through any, you know, not just cancer, but any you know, trauma in life, any journey, any event just to be a survivor that's not enough we want to thrive we want to enjoy life and so you know on, on so many levels so thank you this is yeah another tool that i'm really going to be uh, looking into and, and practicing some of the things that you've said jenny thank you so much you're really welcome you've given us a lot there so i'm going to put the obviously the your contact details below that but if somebody wanted to get in touch with you what's the best way to get in touch so my website is uh, breathebodytherapies.com and it's breathe with an E at the end. My Instagram account is breathebodytherapies and that's the best way to find out more about what I do and how to get in touch. So I work with people in person and I work with people online. I post okay. up content uh, on social media with information about breathing that is very helpful and with different techniques that people can use to try and make it more accessible I'm trying to raise awareness trying to make that more accessible to more people it's really important to me absolutely brilliant thank you and I love that you work online as well a bit like myself so you're not restricted to where you work with anybody in the magic of the internet you can connect with yeah. people you know it's, it's amazing isn't it you know what time to be alive so yeah, yeah it's brilliant stuff. 
do you want to do a breathing exercise oh okay then yeah yeah yeah, yeah I'm up for that. thank you great so this is something we'll run through together but it's something mm -hmm. that your listeners can note down and do for themselves we're going to be working with your breathing so they will need to set a little timer and do it for themselves mm -hmm. before we even start i'm just going to talk you through it so this is called many small breath holds it's really good for down regulating the nervous system it's good for any situation where you're anxious it's good if you're feeling a little bit breathless and you want to reduce that breathlessness it's great before bed it improves sleep it's a really handy tool. And for anybody who is prone to hyperventilation, this is a nice small way to get used to a little bit of air hunger without it feeling too much. The time that you hold your breath for during this exercise can vary. So it doesn't have to be what we're going to do. If anyone finds that makes them anxious, they can shorten the time by whatever feels okay to them. So it, it can be really adaptable as well. But what happens in it is you inhale and exhale. It's just a normal inhale and exhale, not very big. And then you hold your nose and hold your breath for five, four, three, two, one seconds. Then you let release and you inhale and exhale for 10 seconds. And then you right. just repeat that for two and a half minutes. You can do that five to 10 minutes every hour. You can do it once a day. You can do it for a minute. You know, it's super adaptable. You can take it anywhere. The reason we're holding our nose today is because that helps to bring a clarity to the end of the exhale and when you're holding your breath. But I don't always do that. If you're in a public space and you're experiencing anxiety and you don't want to start doing this, <laughs> you know, it's entirely possible to do it without holding your nose. You simply inhale and exhale and then just hold your breath. The reason we're holding the nose today is so that I can see when your exhale's finished because otherwise I wouldn't know when to start counting. Right, okay. okay? Yeah. Okay. So I just want you to start inhaling and exhaling. Now I'm going to talk you through it all. So inhaling and exhaling normally, just getting into that pattern and rhythm of the breath. Just feeling it nice and gentle, nice and light, nice and steady. And then after your next exhale, hold your nose, hold your breath. And I'll start counting when you do that. So for five, four, three, two, one. Then releasing and just inhale and exhale normally. And just inhaling and exhaling normally. Did that breath hold time feel okay for you? It felt towards the end I was all thinking I need this to stop in a minute but yeah it's okay, okay. It's fine. we'll shorten it down we're going to go to three we're going to do three instead it should feel quite comfortable so if you've got yeah. any anxiety around breath holding which I do sometimes I just shorten mm -hmm. it down okay so after your next exhale just hold your nose hold your breath and we'll do that for three two one and then breathing normally Oh, so is that feeling there. like you yeah, need to yeah. take a bigger, bigger breath? Okay, so yeah. what we're going to do is just take that down a little bit again. We're going to do two. So just getting that regularity of your breath back. Can you get that regularity of your yeah. breath back? Yeah. So if you get to a point where you do feel that kind of slight anxiety, this is a great time to bring your hands to your lower ribs. 
of course, yeah. Yeah, it's really nice, really good. Just breathing gently into that space. You'll notice how you feel calm really quick. Yeah. It's yeah. really calming. Is It's really calming. It's, it really is. It's yeah. amazing, isn't it? Mm. And you see, this is what breathwork's like. It's not about doing an exercise perfectly into the letter it's about adapting as we need to adapt to make it work for us it's not about saying okay this is how this exercise goes and that's how we have to do it it's saying oh okay i'm experiencing this let's troubleshoot this so this is a great real life example of how i work and how breathing works and how you can work with something that isn't set in stone so when you're ready after an exhale, just hold your nose and hold your breath. We're just going to do three, two, one. And then just releasing and just inhaling and exhaling. And just give me a nod if that felt okay in terms of the breath hold. That felt good. Okay, great. So we've found something that feels comfortable for you. So just breathing in and out. And while you're doing this breathing in and out, gently you can bring your hands to your lower ribs if that helps to just really ground into the breath and then back into your body again so then after your next exhale just hold your nose hold your breath for three two one and just releasing breathing normally breathing naturally maybe breathing into the lower side ribs just noticing how you're feeling is there any agitation in there is it feeling quite relaxing great and then after your next exhale hold your nose hold your breath for three two one and then coming back to normal breathing We'll just do two more rounds of this. So just breathing in and out. And just seeing if you can really relax into the sense of your breath, into the sense of your body. And as you're exhaling, just use the exhale to soften down a little bit, softening into gravity, letting your body become softer, heavier. And then after your next exhale, holding the nose, holding the breath. For three, two, one and then inhaling and exhaling normally we'll just do one more round just using the exhale to release down to soften down to become heavier to relax into your body to relax into your breath and then after the next exhale final one holding your nose and holding your breath for three two one and then just coming back to normal breathing noticing how you feel how did that feel just lovely it felt i feel so calm like i said i felt my body softening i didn't realize i was holding with tension in my shoulders which i know i always do but i felt that soften i felt everything soften and it just struck me a lot of the people that get in touch with me struggle with sleeping and i think mm -hmm. what a lo lovely thing this would be to do just before oh, going to bed yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. I do. Um, I do this every night. And I also do a breathe light and breathe low. So I do the lateral rib breathing in bed just to kind of yeah. get that. And it becomes hypnotic, because 
the reason it works really well when just following your breath might not is because you've got a set of instructions that you need to follow that keeps your brain engaged with it so you can't just check out kind of go oh yeah i'm just breathing i'm going to think about my shopping list and now i'm thinking about what i'm going to do tomorrow and all of a sudden i'm not going to go to sleep because i'm really activated it's keeping you focused because if you go elsewhere you have to pull your concentration back because you're thinking oh hang on where where was i am i breathing in or out next okay and it it pulls your concentration it pulls your focus back over and over again and that really helps to create that sense of quiet focus the breath holding helps after breath holding after an exhale means that when you next inhale nitric oxide has been pooling in the sinuses and that helps with better ventilation better oxygen uptake in the body it helps to down regulate the nervous system by just quietening the mind quietening the body quietening the breath and we've seen as well how that created a bit of agitation for you to start off with mm. yeah, and that yeah. yeah and it's fine to adapt you know you adapt as you need to nothing set in stone because one of the things that's really important to know as well is that when we have anxiety in response to holding the breath sometimes people can have suffocation anxiety from for lots of different reasons it's very common for people to have suffocation anxiety because they swam out of their depth when they were little at the seaside and got caught in a wave and or were held underwater at some point people might have suffocation anxiety because they have had asthma and can't get their breath people may like me have no impediment to being able to breathe freely other than some abdominal tension but i have some anxiety around breath holding so that means that even though there's nothing physically stopping me holding my breath sometimes it just feels too much and i have to back yeah. off yeah yeah i get that but it's just yeah it's just again some, something so simple and I can, I can feel, I just feel quite spaced out. It's a lovely feeling, feel very yeah. calm. And as I say, I've struggled with meditating or, you know, different things over the years. I find it really hard to switch off. And mm. now just those few minutes, I, do, I feel quite um, like I've got a lot of clarity and a lot of focus. And yeah, yeah, that, it's, that's wonderful. Yeah. It's such a great meditation technique as well. Yeah. I remember my yoga teacher once saying to me, we do not sit down and meditate. We sit down and concentrate. And then after a while, meditation happens. And that's what happens with breathing. You give yeah. your brain something to concentrate on and then meditation happens. Love it, love it. So, so many learnings today. Thank you so much, Jenny. That was so good. You're so um, welcome. We talked yeah. about how to get in touch with you. And as I've said, I'll put the um, your contact details in the show notes underneath this yeah. video or underneath this audio. If anybody's watching or listening, they know how to get in touch with you, Jenny. But thank you so much for that. I feel so calm. Like I say, I feel really relaxed. What a, what a lovely way to start the weekend for me. So thank you. You're really absolutely so welcome. It's been such a pleasure. And I just thought I would leave people with this. Okay, so... Breathe through the nose, breathe light, breathe low, and breathe slow. And remember, a big breath and a deep breath are not the same thing. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Jenny. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Wonderful. Thanks, Gabby. All right. Thanks for coming on. I will speak soon. Take care, my love. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. -bye. Bye.